welcome to Growing E-Commerce. I'm your host, Mike Ryan of Smarter E-Commerce, also known as SMEC. Today, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Mark Haupt, our UK Commercial Director. He brings to the table years of online retail experience in several different contexts, and he's one of the most articulate and well-read people I've ever met. The speed at which he reads, recommends, and loans me his books is overwhelming. I have an entire Mark shelf at home. Sorry about that, Mark. I'll get those books back to you one day. Um, but anyway, we talked through the post-Brexit, post-pandemic economic situation in the UK, his assessment of how Google's Performance Max has landed with the market, the increasing allure of Microsoft ads, and the agency in-house relationship. All right, let's get into it. So, Mark, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Um, would you get us started with a quick introduction? What are your skills, Mark? What themes interest you? Yes, Mike. Um, again, um, my name is Mark Haupt. Um, just for the listeners out there, I, uh, I've been working for Smarter E-Commerce Limited. That's the UK arm of Smarter E-Commerce GmbH for uh, coming on to six, six and a half years now. Um, you know, my career in e-commerce extends right the way back to 2000 when I was involved in some of the early uh, prototypes of, of bringing e-commerce retailers. And these were often the early uh, early adopters uh, and some of the big shops in the UK who are now very advanced in e-commerce, bringing them to a wider audience, mostly through portals like Yahoo, Excite, MSN. Um, and so I had a very good training in the background of what retailers needed to do on digital marketing and how they converted viewers into baskets. Um, the language has changed. Um, things are much more, obviously, much more advanced now. Um, but between those things, I did a lot of different roles in my career um, in, on the media sales side, display advertising, early programmatic. And I worked quite extensively in the world of price comparison uh, and how price comparison became a big affiliate business, essentially, for retailers. So uh, coming to Smarter E-Commerce at this stage of my career was, uh, was a great move. And, and really what got me into it was automation. Um, and, and automation, as it was in 2015-16, and automation, how it's playing out now, it's, it's just such a fascinating area. Um, it incorporates so many different elements of um, e-commerce logic, uh, audience behavior, audience science, um, and, and the latest things coming out now with AI and chat GT, GPT, uh, I find all fascinating. So I'm, I'm in a great place and uh, I take care of the UK retailers um, for SMEC uh, Limited. And uh, we've got quite a number of the biggest players working with us here in the UK. And they work from their uh, UK bases, but they're often doing global campaigns. So that's me, really. Um, uh, yeah, very happy to, to, to talk today. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So six and a half years, that was about... That was about six months then before I joined um, Smarter Recall. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and Mike, I was yeah, very happy. You, very happy when you joined, sir. <laughs> th thanks, Mark. I was very glad that you were already here. <laughs> um, <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Yeah. But um, yeah, price comparison too. I mean, that, that that's a really interesting area. I, and I remember going through the whole CSS transformation yeah. with, with yeah. you and, and everything. Yeah, been through quite a lot. Also, as you mentioned, like automation, what that meant in 2015 and what it means now are two different things and how people feel about that. Um, yeah. I want to I want to dig into that a bit with you later on. Um, yeah. Before we get into that, you know, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about from the perspective of, let's say, uh, the the median UK retailer, online retailer or what like what? 
was 2022 like in the UK? What 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 is what of the last years? Like, how's everything going? And yeah. what do you see happening in 2023? Broad strokes, you know. I'm you're no economist. You're not Nostradamus. That's I'm not cool. going to hold your feet to the fire and say you were you were right or you were wrong on this. No, if you're right, I'll give you credit for that. <laughs> but um, what have you yeah. seen lately, and what do you see next in the UK? Great question, Mike. Yeah, uh, you know. The UK, the UK is a fascinating market for e-commerce because, firstly, it was one of the, as I said earlier, it was one of the first markets to really go all in. Um, you know, like the United States, it had um, it had an early start with with getting funds raised, um, getting uh, getting the technical architecture ready from a coding point of view to sell online to audiences which were seen as very primed already for uh, for for this type of model. You know, one of the things is the UK has got one of the, the best postal systems in the world. Um, so the idea of quickly you know, using those logistics to start selling online, uh, it was an easy step for a lot of retailers. Um, where we stand today is that we still have what I call uh, in the UK, we've got a very big head, meaning that at the top of uh, the, 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 the turnover, you know, the turnover group, the quadrant that are sort of turning over the most online uh, every year, hundreds of millions, of course, the corresponding investment and spend that they do has always remained a fairly consistent thing. So when you're working at the top end of e-commerce in the UK, you always inevitably are running into uh, the big names that everybody knows. And um, uh, I've been fortunate enough to work with some of those big names and still do today, but we don't ignore the fact that there's a lot of innovation coming through. There's a lot of entrepreneurship around e-commerce that still exists in the UK and keeps getting more advanced as the years go. Um, There's a lot of funding raised for new marketplace models. There's niches that keep coming up. So there's always activity. There's always change going on. And um, I would say that as we start 2023 now, we're probably in the hardest phase of confidence that I've seen in a a little while. Um, You know, we we have headlines in the UK and real problems in our country at the moment with with basic things. And um, uh, I I think that the attention and diversion um, into what I would call the basics of life can sometimes, you know, really be what's important for even the business community to focus on. But even though we do deal with, um, at the moment, quite specific challenges, you know, we've got the the, the, the exit from the European Union. We've got a lot of uh, challenges that retailers are facing with their logistics and uh, insurance and sending to other countries. We still have a, a lot of investment. We still have a lot of ideas being generated. And uh, I, I personally think it's really good news. I think the second half of 2023 is going to be a much easier um, time than the first half. And I think we're almost halfway through the first half. I think the next few months mm-hmm. as we're going to the spring um, will, will, will continue to be quite challenging. But I do feel that the economic outlook for the UK um, retail marketplace will, 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 will significantly improve in the second half of 2023. Um, and we're seeing early signs of that. Um, but that's not to say it hasn't been a tough couple of months. I think a lot of people are feeling that right now. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank, thanks for the for the dose of optimism at the end there. Also, the dose of realism. Um, I, I was just discussing in the last episode. I was looking at uh, consumer confidence in some different markets, and um, yeah, let's be frank about it. Consumer confidence is very low in the UK. It's it's a bit troubling. Um, but yeah. On the on the other hand, we've also seen that the UK is seeing higher highs than other markets. Um, right. So, so you know, this this could swing the other way. And and I just love what you've mentioned about these post-Brexit challenges, administrative. And um, I remember 
speaking with a client about uh, that it's it's so tricky because like depending on um you know the the country of origin of different product if it was imported or yep. not and then which categories in and then what is the the value and you cross different thresholds and the whole thing yes. is very dynamic and and ultimately the tax that needs to be charged it and all this stuff it's getting it changes yeah. quite a bit and it's very complex to reflect that in a way that makes sense to the consumer or do you eat the cost or what do you need to do it's crazy yeah no it, it's definitely been a huge factor um in in a lot of the retailer channels that we've dealt with um in the last six months and especially that period because um you know there is still a a, a huge european market for the uk um retailers they 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 had extensive and growing customers in different countries and 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 those customers now find it much harder to uh, to get things with with the level of confidence and trust that they used to, so you know that yeah. that 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 is a a reason to pause where there should just be a reason to keep going. And um, yeah, even though the UK mm. internal market is is totally secure and and remains as it as it was, um, certainly what it does is it it, it focuses the mind on um, how to get how to, how to get things more more efficient with your with your logistics, with your channels, with your efficiency, your spending. So there will be some upside in the sense that the the retailers are going to learn about um, how to fix supply chains, how to source alternative mm -hmm. supply chains. Innovation does come from adversity, but it would be much more comfortable and much easier for a lot of the marketplace that I work with to have a better, um, a better, you know, outcome, a, a better deal, if you like, with the European Union countries when it comes to free trade and and, and the ease of access across borders. We shall see. Um, I'm quite optimistic that it will will gradually improve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you mentioned market concentration as being a factor in the UK, um, that the big players are big and, and, and yeah. maybe getting bigger. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, something I've observed, like if we look at Google Ads, for example, I've seen just in the UK compared to other markets, it's had the steadiest upward march in unit costs and like cost per click, yeah. um, cost, cost per acquisition. And that's right. Yeah, it just feels like a relentlessly competitive market. I think because of that maturity that you mentioned, where this was a market that was set up and ready to go for e-commerce from the start, and now, yes. yeah, it's it's a mature market, and it's it can be harder to find growth relative to other markets. It's going to be competitive. The channels are going to maybe face a higher level of saturation, so it's definitely Correct. a tough one. Correct, and and you're absolutely right about the click. Or the, the bid inflation that we see. I mean, you, you've posted yourself very uh, extensively about this, and I, I hope a lot of people have read your your blogs um, that that you publish extensively on LinkedIn, and they're also available on the Smart E-commerce website. But um, a, lo a lot of the the feedback that I've been getting at pretty high level, and and this is from CMO level. This is from uh, you know big you know big sort of financial parts of of the the, the merchant retailers that often send questions for us to answer. Why are we paying so much more for our advertising? And it's a hard question mm -hmm. to answer because, as you say, um, yes, there's just inflation. There's price inflation. There's uh, there's uh, th th there's bigger and uh, and more extensive budgets going after sometimes a smaller audience because you know th there's reasons why you sometimes have to count your audience as narrower when it comes to certain products and categories because yeah um, they are narrower. The, 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 there is a fewer amount of what I would call everyday buyers because 
the, the, the consumer base has changed and people have allocated their household spend into different areas and they've had to prioritize, you know. Um, so, yeah, we've got a lot of things that make it difficult to um, to buy efficiently, to uh, predict efficiently. Um, and, of course, what, what we often see in the UK is we see um, extensive uh, what I would call fluctuations. Uh, whereas a few years ago, we were able to predict a fairly static growth. We could be quite seasonal. We could uh, we could help our partners and our partner retailers to focus in specific areas with a reasonable degree of, uh, you know, predictive uh, correct correctiveness. But now it's much more unpredictable. And I think unpredictability, um, uncertainty, instability, you know, those things that nobody in business likes to deal with. They're just a feature of the landscape now. And one of the lessons that we've taken from that is that we have to help our uh, retail partners and our clients to really overcome those uncertainties and, and give them data um, and show them their own data that can help them to um, to, to, to get an advantage and, and, and to at least be more stable when it comes to their forecasting. Um. Thanks for, for sharing these insights with us, Mark. And I what I love to ask you about next is um, kind of the the state of we were talking about, we mentioned Google Ads. What about Performance Max? Um, it's yeah. the technology that we've all been talking about for over a year now. Um, but in the UK, what's the reaction been like? You know, we've got this hyper-competitive market. We've seen the face of automation changing over the last um yeah over the last several years now and how are how are these advertisers reacting to pmax do they love it do they hate it um what's a fair opinion of the technology because i feel like there are some some people who hype it and there's plenty of people who bash it what do you think is a fair opinion yeah uh, from the uk perspective yeah well mike um let's look at the timing for a start so we're at the you know we're at the the sort of halfway point of Q1 2023. You know, PMAX has been a feature of the landscape um, yeah, for well over 18 months now, for, you know, from early early education to, you know, Google's mm. first big, um, uh, you know, sort of show and tell sessions. And, uh, you know, that's, 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 that's only just the beginning, really. You know, we're not even in a mature stage of adoption yet. But, but my own experience has told me that um, it, it's clearly – a big, big thing because it's one of those things similar to the CSS program you mentioned, which came out in 2018. It's a brand new way to think about acquisition, attribution, and of course, investment. And Google are offering up a very, very extensive uh, suite of um, big data options to, 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 to retailers. They're essentially opening the door and saying, look, we've figured out how to get your customers for you. And we, we figured out how to show you what you need to put up to get that. And of course, the final thing is, you know, this is what you're going to need to spend and he has a way to spend that. But, and it's a big but, um, a lot of retailers are very skeptical and they're skeptical because they don't doubt that this is a way to get um, action. This is a way to get performance. It clearly is. Mm. And some of the mm. early results we've seen have been good, but I wouldn't say that it's been um, a completely um evangelical adoption um and it, there are significant significant retailers who either on a partial basis or even on a complete policy basis will not be using pmax until it's much more widely understood and they will mm. probably be blending bits of it into their existing search architecture and they will be making very database decisions and subsequently i think google are going to find that they're going to be 
you know, they're going to be dealing with a world that's going to be using PMAX, but they're going to be dealing with retailers who are using a whole lot of other things alongside PMAX. Um, and I think that's healthy. I think that's a great thing to 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 predict because um, what we really want is to get the best out of PMAX for specific retailers. We don't mm. want to have a universal application across everybody that, you know, that just would be, it, it, it would be kind of crazy because there'd be big winners and there'd probably be quite a lot of or more losers in that. So our job has been to sort of show what PMAX is capable of, but develop a way of doing PMAX, um, which which really gets the benefits of it, really gets the advantages of it, and doesn't ignore everything else that that is also good and can also be grown and developed. Because, you know, obviously data, uh, pre-data, this is the data you want to bring from your first party sources, data that you want to use that you've become you know, au fait with as a, as a marketeer and you want to, you know, understand how that's going to work in the future. These things have all got to be blended and they can often be um, really usefully used, even in a world where PMAX is deciding the ultimate bid for the product. So mixed bag, I think it's going to work pretty well for a lot of retailers, but I don't think it's going to be universal adoption. And I don't think the biggest players are going to use it to anywhere near the extent that Google are hoping they will over the time frame of the next 18 months to probably three years. Mm. Yeah, the, in, those are interesting opinions. I I agree with you. I think, I mean, I think the adoption in UK, I'd have to check. I think that it's um, higher than, let's say, in Germany, for example. Um, it always varies per market. And I don't know. I, I don't want to go on making cliches here, but I feel like, for example, the average um, German online marketing manager um has a bit of a tinker in them and, and they definitely like to, to experiment and um, they're going to be critical. I feel like the adoption could be a bit higher in the UK because of this ruthlessly competitive commercial environment where, um, you know, the pe- people are definitely willing to, to take risks and to try things. Uh, but it's also, it's a double-edged sword because with Performance Max, it's not entirely clear always how you really can differentiate from the competitor if everyone's using that same technology as you. Um, Correct. I, I mean, I, I love what you've said about this kind of like partial adoption and stuff like that, because um, what I've heard from speaking with Googlers and, and I think it's somehow reflected in the architecture of the product, they really intend PMAX to be an either or decision, not, not in regards to all campaign types, but uh, because Pmax is supposed to be complementary toward standard display campaigns, um, yes. for example, or your yes. YouTube campaigns, to a certain extent, your search campaigns. But it is not intended to be complementary toward shopping. It is there, there they 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 do essentially want an either or decision, but that's not yes. necessarily the end of the story. No, true, absolutely right. I mean, you know, the PLA and the, the, the you know the Google Shopping Revolution, which has been with us for well over a decade now, it's still, in my view, and from the feedback that I get and the, the data that I look at and the uh, the performance reviews that I'm regularly a part of, it's the place where um, the most trust and confidence is often placed by the marketeers. You know, um, and there's a good reason for that is because the the PLA is a it's a multi-purpose uh, display um, advertising type. It um, serves as a, increasingly serves as a as a as a price comparison um, device, um, and it's a way for marketeers at retailers to keep uh, their you know keep their product essentially 
um, at the f- m- the most forefronted part of an audience that are actively in the lower funnel. Of course, everything else that PMAX is offering around the around the, uh, the 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 Google ecosystem is is very valuable. And the idea that you could you could convert and 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 you could find new customers with 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 uh, Gmail ads and YouTube, fantastic. But of course, um, it it will never replace the solid, almost shopping retail um marketplace idea of the pla which still is the place where the majority of the clicks will happen and the majority of the conversion will happen so um getting pmax right means absolutely always never forgetting what you're doing with google shopping in its sort of current understood purest format and we see that um every day and uh, you know we still put a lot of activity and effort into making sure that the pla work that css works um and 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 when we're doing that very well for our retailers, normally the retailers have got more confidence then to go over and try different Pmax approaches and and just give Pmax a go and see what that does for them. But yeah, it's a very much a mixed mm. bag. But as you say, Pmax is impressive. Um, it's 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 growing. Um, it's going to be a feature of the landscape uh, for you know the the the, the feature, the you know, the short term, medium, and long term future. But it will evolve too, and um, it will be interesting to see how how the, the channel mix uh, gets affected by the, you know, the, the PMAX adoption. Uh, I think the UK, yeah. you're right. It, it, it's a place where people do go for early tests and they take risks. And yeah, we certainly are experiencing that now. And we, we're helping numerous retailers with their PMAX strategies. Mm. I mean, I, I think it's funny when you look at the, the, uh, the adoption of Performance Max, well, it was a product replacement. It replaced standard, asking me, uh, smart shopping and, and in the course of about a year or less, nine months, really, it had this basically exponential growth in adoption. And you see all these best practices coming out, like in the middle of that exponential growth curve, which I think I have to be skeptical about that. And I know we, we've we gone to pains to not say, you know, X, Y, or Z is a best practice. Like we yeah. talk about... We we use some nerdy phrases like opinionated framework, which is maybe yes. taking it too far. Um, but the importance being testing and testing and testing. And um, and I, I think that's the other thing with Performance Max is that it definitely looks good in a platform, what's occurring there on an in-platform yeah. reported basis. But then digging deeper, uh, I think the the question that, that Pmax will really have to answer will have to be about incrementality is this is this really okay. doing something that you couldn't have done um and and i of course the transparency heavily scrutinized it would be great if they would just show us more yeah. about what's occurring here where stuff is serving um yes but Definitely. like you said it, it is it's a new product there's a lot more coming um i've seen the roadmap there's stuff on there that's going to make people really happy that we've been asking for and that we wanted there's also things that you know Google has devised on their own that looks really yeah. exciting and cool. And let's just see because see. we're still in early days, actually. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting year. We're going to learn a lot more um, in the months to come. And, uh, you know, the more we can see, the more Google can share, the better for Google and the better for everybody in the, uh, in the community. Uh, because, um, yeah, we want, we want to do the best by our retailers. You know, we really want to help them. Um, it's not easy to understand what's going on if you, you know, unless you, unless you're such a deeply embedded search specialist within a retailer, and there are many of those. Um, a lot of the senior layer, a lot of the the C level, are still looking for answers. You know, they are signing off the, the 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 budgets, and they want to understand if the money that they are sending over to the search team 
is being wisely spent. And it's always been the same. Mm. Um, but there's much more accountability that's going to be called for because, uh, yes, you know, you can get great results. You can get great revenue um, upturns, but um, that can change very quickly when you realize that um, big parts of your inventory and your catalog are not making the returns that they should. And, uh, you know, there's going to be questions about that too. So PMAX has got a lot to offer. It's going to uh, change the world uh, in some ways around e-commerce retailers, but it's it, it's got to be it's got to be seen as part of a bigger strategy uh, think, and it's got to be really uh, it's got to prove itself to the marketing mix as, as as any channel in history in a marketing mix has ever had to. To be honest, so yeah, mm. uh, exciting times, but you know, lots to lots to still learn and understand about uh, Pmax. Yeah, yeah, and I mean. I, I don't want to belabor this. We can move on from the point, but I just want to share one thing that, that I've been thinking about. I don't think I've discussed on the podcast before. It's just for me a framework about the way people can approach automation or what I've seen in terms of it. And I, I don't know, it's not rocket science, but I just think of of these kind of three main personas. There's like hackers, um, harmonizers, and holdouts. That's the way I think about it. And the hackers are looking for ways to potentially use automated uh, automation up to including fully automated campaign types like Pmax. Like, how can I tweak this thing or find loopholes or look in the settings, digging deep in there to make this thing perform in ways that, um, or like have functions that it's not necessarily intended to have or, or um, just, you know, a classic example would be this popular feed-only approach where people um, try to cause Performance Max to act more like smart shopping or, yeah. to a certain extent, more like standard shopping. And yeah. and then the harmonizers would be taking it more at face value and, and looking at, okay, what are the interactions with other campaign types? How can I strategize? Like, how how can I have this thing not just eat my account alive, but be a part yeah. of my account. Yeah. And and then the, the holdouts are rejecting the technology. And, and that number, the holdouts, we could see backlash. That number could rise um, yeah. after this huge yeah. adoption wave. But could do. Yeah, could do. That's uh, I think that's a good, that's a very good grouping. That's a good methodology there. And uh, it fits pretty well into yeah, what I'm seeing and experiencing um, at the moment. And uh, yeah, we've got, a, I wouldn't say we've got equal amounts in each, but we've got significant, significant evidence to show that that is the broad you know the broad standpoint as we as we start or, or as we sort of go halfway into q1 2023 yeah um, yeah good yeah, good one I, well would you uh, mike are you planning to you write about that again are you are you putting that into a, into some blog uh articles coming up or how will you um yeah i'm thinking about it yeah cool yeah. i'd love to read that actually i think a lot of people would love to read that yeah Definitely. I, I, I wrote something. Um, I got, I had an, an interview with, um, with search engine hubbub and about trends for 2023. And I mentioned it there, for example. So I wrote something short about it, but I'm thinking about writing a little bit more there. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, great. And future listeners, you can find out if I did <laughs> or I did not. <laughs> it's a term that I actually have, uh, have, brought into discussion a couple of times which would be ai generated content you know because this is an area that's going to revolutionize the way that um many parts of the retail mix are going to work with uh channels um you know 
feed uh, uh, product landing pages, product category pages, um, mm -hmm. skewed descriptions, all of this stuff suddenly becomes a much more dynamic field because if you're injecting an AI-generated content code into um, different parts of the way you supply your feed, the way you, you bid on different platforms, um, you're suddenly going to start getting feedback um, and you're not going to just get it over time. You're going to get it instantly. And, and, and it's going to be mm. fascinating how retailers will, will use that data. And I think Microsoft have really led the way here. And they are in the news all the time about being ahead of the game. And I think they've captured the imagination of um, a, a lot of people in the world right now with their advances in this area. And I do believe that the Microsoft um, e-commerce offer is evolving very fast. We, we Look, I, I don't, I'm not an account specialist with the Microsoft platform, but I, I, I'm participating in discussions where what I'm hearing is that um, we really need to put this on the agenda, you know, more and more. Obviously, we're mm -hmm. a Microsoft um, uh, elite partner, so, so, so we handle um, a massive amount of budget for our retail partners. And w when we bring up the idea of, 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 of giving some attention to Microsoft or maybe taking Microsoft into a much more visible discussion, and going very specifically about, um, you know, trying new experiments or putting more budget in and and and, and going down roads where you know, you, we have a very clear idea that Microsoft is going to cause um, effects that previously we just wouldn't have predicted, you know. So con conversion is good, you know. Um, when you put budget on the Microsoft platform and you and you use it well, you normally get a great outcome. And uh, and we're definitely seeing much more positive adoption of Microsoft. Um, the budgets there have grown in 2022, and our retailers are always asking us about Microsoft. And more importantly, we're always bringing it up and saying, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? The Microsoft teams that we work with are very advanced. They, they, they're very well trained. Um, they put a lot of effort into making their, um, their offer uh, translatable. And of course, you know, as a, as a partner to Microsoft, we, we, we get that um, very quickly from them. And they're very open, and as you said, they they share with us. And I think we've brought a lot of value to our retailers with their Microsoft investments. And I, I really am confident that um, we're going to see more 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 growth and more adoption in 2023. Yeah, um, I I feel you there. I I you know I'm, I I've got the Microsoft um, or rather the Bing search engine market share yeah. open, and I'm just I'm skimming through that, and it's interesting because. Yeah, I mean, it. It's funny they've they've moved up from like in the UK from like a six percent share to now they're averaging, or you know, late uh, the the most recent data that I'm seeing they were averaging like ten percent or so, and and you see that there are spikes along the way, which probably have to do with um, updates to their operating system, and yeah. you know they're able to drive some default search behavior for a period of time but then it doesn't quite stick but over time they're ratcheting it up and and i think these are just really exciting things that help prove their relevance and it's just funny how um microsoft went from having this a bit of a stodgy and <laughs> monopolistic feeling yeah. to be honest to uh, yes. so suddenly yes. being like they're somehow the darling yeah yeah they they feel like an underdog somehow and they're, right. they're not like perceived as part of big tech in that same way. Exactly. Yes, um, it has me wondering though, 
it has me wondering if one day we're going to be looking back and say, like now people look back at Google and say, how is that double click acquisition allowed? And if we'll be saying, <laughs> how did, how is the Xander acquisition allowed? Yeah. How did we let this and that happen? But, um, yeah. but you know, from, I don't know, from today's standpoint, um, they're wonderful to partner with. And yes. um, I, I'm just a fan of what they're doing. I, I think they are innovating. So. Yeah. I, I, you know, one one final thing I'll say there is that you know the the adoption is going up. Obviously, the percentage of the total search marketplace remains at that stubborn, you know, sort of. Well, by the way, ten percent is is good. It's it's come up. You know, every That's percentage. Not nothing. It's it's not nothing. And 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 the effect of that is that um, Microsoft have definitely driven innovation. So even if they are not um, getting the lion's share of of the budget, they are they are proving themselves to be real players in this game and of course the advances that they make are quickly transferred and i think google and microsoft have been in a kind of dance with each other around um, shopping and e-commerce and search they've mm. they've definitely both benefit benefited from each other's innovative uh, steps forward here and that's a good thing for everybody it's good for for retailers if they've got more choice um and and specialists to operate the platforms um just have a lot more knowledge now and they have fresh ideas that almost every week that they can try and use and take to their clients. So, you know, I celebrate the fact that they've, they've, they've made an advance here. Really. I do. Mm. Uh, definitely. And, and as it stands currently, it, you know, they've, they can be risk takers. They can be aggressive because they've got, they've got nothing to lose. Um, you exactly. know, they're in this very offensive position and it puts Google in a very defensive position, um, which we saw with, I mean, I was blown away with how quickly, Google reacted to the to the AI topic. I was yeah, thinking yeah. there would be some beta products late in 2023, perhaps like in yeah. or eight, second half of 2023. And yeah, we're barely two months in and they've got something. So it's pretty impressive. That is, yes. Um, now, Mark, I want to pick up something I, I, I heard you mentioning earlier. You were you were talking about um you know how challenging it is to stay up to date in these environments and and the role yep. of specialists and organizations um versus the perspectives that you know uh, an agency or somebody who does this full time so to say can yeah. um or a different scale can offer but like there's always a debate um or some kind of a opposition maybe a false dichotomy i don't know what between in-house versus agency and, and in-housing mm -hmm. being viewed as a trend um, people wondering if in-housing will pick up in a recessionary environment or will it or will actually um will will advertisers try to cut costs there and view view rented services more favorably but what what's your take on the the exchange between in-house and agency how do you see it yeah Great question, Mike. And, and you know, it's one of the areas, it's not just because, you know, one of my primary responsibilities for, for smart e-commerce is to obviously, you know, acquire, develop, and then grow partnerships. Um, when you're in the process of doing that, um, you get to discover a lot of things about the way, um, in my case, in our case, retailers um, plan their resources around search and general marketing. You obviously have to participate in the discussions around how resources are deployed. But in doing that, what you learn is that um, a lot of the opinions about working with in-house and working with specialist partners are changing 
very fast at the moment. Um, there's a lot more porous um, exchange going on. The boundaries between in-house teams and their specialist agencies are coming down every single week because you have this world where knowledge really does become the commodity that has to be exchanged efficiently and with a high degree of cultural sharing and knowledge between teams. So what that requires is not only that there's specialist technical knowledge um, and that there's a deep understanding of strategies and um, execution of strategy, which has always been a part of what agencies have done, but there has to be a real understanding of mindset, culture. There has to be a completely uh, you know, open and, and trusting relationship that sits at the heart of any relationship. Um, and when that does happen, and, and you know, those things can happen through uh, you know, natural chemistry, but they, they they can also be developed and bringing the consciousness in of asking the questions, um, making sure that time is set aside to discuss non-operative issues that both companies are experiencing, um, looking at the deployment again of particular persons and skill sets to certain tasks and responsibilities. I feel that that whole area is really, really, really changing right now. And the best relationships um are when uh, you can feel that there's a harmony there. You could feel that the retailer knows that they can, you know, if, if something goes wrong or somebody leaves suddenly or a whole group of people decide that it's time to go, um, the agency can really sit there and and help to not only do the work that's needed, but to regenerate the knowledge, to input the knowledge into the retailer and help that retailer develop their next stage of um, of growth. And of course, as, as a specialist ourselves at Smarty E-Commerce, we get the we get to work with so many incredible businesses. So whilst we are always confidential and never share data um, about our, our our clients with other clients, we take on board that knowledge and we quickly uh, we quickly use that knowledge where we know it's going to work for the the situation or the retailer at hand. So yeah, it's a fascinating area, and I think it's changing the agency world and. Um, you know, I don't think the question anymore is should we do in-house or should we use an agency? It's now much more of, you know, we've got resources. Um, mm. What are the resources? Uh, and I don't just mean people and time. I mean, what are the things we're doing brilliantly? What are the areas where we've really done well in the past? Um, but what does this agency, what does this group of people, what does that tech provider give us? And how do we count that and let that, you know, multiply our resources? And when you start questioning things from that point of view, you start seeing a vision and an image about you know what a what a growth machine can look like, but that growth machine doesn't sit in one place. It sits as a kind of living entity that's been created as part of a really well designed partnership. And and you know we do that, um, we, we do that often, and you know we have that relationship with most of our retail partners, and that's that's really what uh, gives us our growth and uh, gives us our impetus and our confidence for uh, for moving forward. And I, and I and I think that. Um, we're going to see much more of that, and I really encourage any agency out there to 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 adopt um, this type of thinking and 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 bring it up with with, with your partners. Um, go go deeper on the issues around strategy and and mindset and culture, and don't leave them on the table because there's a lot of value there. So sorry if that was a long answer, but that's uh, that's just coming from the experience of, uh, of of what I've been doing in the last couple of years, actually. So. Yeah. Well, that, no, that was a beautiful answer, and we have we have a lot of agency listeners, and we have a lot of in-house listeners. So I hope it, it's valuable to both sides. And yeah, I just you know it's funny. A couple episodes back, I was talking with Scott Kennedy um, from from Franklin Sports about yeah, this idea nice. of like yeah, be, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like being yeah, this kind of bearing this Olympic torch of of knowledge. It sounds I don't know maybe a little melodramatic, but but really you have to you have to. Um, 
pass on knowledge and and keep that flame kindled and it's not always the easiest thing and um and i love this idea too of force multiplication um, not to get too militaristic, but you think of, you know, there's like an aircraft carrier that's a force multiplier. And, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, how, how can you force multiply knowledge and experience? And um, that's, that's, you know, I think when you find that kind of an effect, you've got a healthy relationship. Um, but Mark, thanks so much for sharing your time and your, your knowledge yes, and experience with us. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask you one more thing before we go. Nope. Any any projects, people, anyone you want to shout out? Well, you know, I just want to, uh, I, you know, I, 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 we, yeah, we really do, um, we really do see that um, in particular categories now um, in the UK, we, we have such almost overwhelming competition. You know, um, when I say that, what I mean is that, you, you know, you take something, um, something like cosmetics. Let's let let's choose fragrances. I'm just being random here. And you've mm-hmm. got brilliant retailers who who really know how to buy the right stuff, and 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 they know that there's consumers um, always looking for the stuff. If you ever want to see how a successful um, and how profitable um, online retailing of uh, health and beauty and cosmetics and fragrances can be, look around you at an airport duty free next time you travel. People love they love these products, right? But the problem, of course, is that. Um, there's so many uh, sellers and there's so much choice. So I want to give a shout out to all of the retailers in health and beauty and fragrances who are, are, are working so hard. I know they're working so hard to get this right because we've worked with um, a lot of them. Um, we, we, we're using data sets. We're using pricing. We're using um, uh, price dynamic automation. So that, you know, the classic rule-based settings that you can, um, you know, you can, you can respond to a price change, uh, you can you can you can seek out your 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 ideal buyers with with specific prices. We're working at a lot of different levels with uh, with our retail partners in this area. But um, I know that it's it's not easy going, and um, it's one of the areas where I think real innovation is happening. But of course, it's painful because you get big ups and you get big downs, and um, you can have uh, extraordinary performance when you when you're on a on a roll, and you can also you can have a, a, a period of weeks or months when when things aren't aren't going so well. So. Yeah, to to anybody's listening who's helping these retailers, or if you are one of these retailers yourselves, big up to you guys. Um, good luck. Yeah, uh, you really are at the at the at the coal edge, and uh, the science of retailing um, is never more pu- uh, purely represented than it is in selling cosmetics and uh, fragrances and things like that online. It's it's a it's a hard business, but if you do it well, you you really can. Uh, you know, you can make you can make big gains. So yeah, great, yeah. great, great stuff going on there, but there's, there's plenty of categories where that's happening. Um, it just happens to be one I'm particularly interested in. And, uh, uh yeah, for, for sure. I, I think I know some of the people or companies on your mind and I, I should have them on here one time, but definitely to us. I would love, Mike, um, you know what I, I would love us to bring together a group of these retailers. Um, they will all know each other. They'll all be competitors, but yeah, we should, we should <laughs> share, share openly what, what, what everybody's experiencing because, um, People can help each other yeah. out, you know, um, and it's good to it's really good to to sort of, uh, you know, uh, name what's going on and and then see what solutions are, because ultimately everybody can win here. You know, there's not too many of them yet, but um, th- there's a lot of them that, that that that, you know, they can they can go down a road to a certain degree. And and once they've gone down that road too far, it's very difficult to come back and, and win. So you've got to really be you've got to be alive. You've got to be awake and you've got to be on a daily basis, really doing everything you can to. Uh, uh, to find the best ways of of, of converting, it's um, 
fascinating area. I, I hope we do return to it. But hope, hopefully that was an answer that you could live with, uh, Mike. <laughs> I, I can live with that, Mark. Thank you. Right, and um, thanks for bringing that UK perspective today uh, to, you know, totally cliche American like myself. And, uh, cool. um, and thanks to, to all the UK advertisers and agencies out there. Keep fighting the good fight. Absolutely. Um, Great people, all of them. Thanks again, Mark. All right. Cheers, Mike. All the best. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Growing E-Commerce. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with coworkers, friends, or within your professional network. We really appreciate it. This podcast is produced by Smarter E-Commerce, also known as SMEC. To learn more, visit smarter-ecommerce.com.